0: Testaments with you, open up to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, that's where we're going to get started this morning. Appreciate the opportunity to be back with you. Always a blessing to be here in Mount Pleasant. See Leon and Alma get to spend some time with Drew. He and I went to Stephen F. together, shared a house together with a few other guys for a year, had some really good memories. Very, very thankful to be here. We know the Old Testament passage, Pride Goeth Before the Fall. One of our elders at University Oaks in San Antonio is an Oklahoma boy. Went to school in Oklahoma. And I was bragging to him that as I came to Mount Pleasant, besides seeing Leon and Alma and Drew, the other thing I was most excited about was going to Brahms. I pulled in seven o'clock last night thinking I have fasted this entire way I'm going to get me some Brahms and the light was not on and the driveway was barred. I thought about driving back home and just giving up that was a bad way to start. But Now we will, we, we will recover from that we can move on but thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. And let's talk this morning, a little while, about our relationship uh, with God's Word. You're here in the 119th Psalm, perhaps you recognize this, uh, the longest psalm that we have in our Old Testaments, and it is a psalm that is almost singularly dedicated to the Word of God and the role that the Word of God needs to play in our lives and how you and I need to interact with the Word of God. It is His Word. And His Word that must have a role, must have some place in our lives. And I want us to go through here very quickly. And let's just hit some high notes. Let's notice what my relationship with God's Word needs to be. As we just kind of hit the high points here in the 119th Psalm. So start with me in verse 1. Psalm 119 and verse 1. How blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. And as we're introduced to the law and the word of God here in Psalm 119, the first thing that we see is that you and I will be blessed in our lives when we choose to walk in the path that God's word lays out for us. That there is blessing, there is uh, something positive about choosing to walk in this path in our lives. Look at verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it According to your word. And so we find out that when you and I submit our lives to the word of God and follow it. That's how we can find purity. How we can be made pure. We are made pure uh, in part by its teachings. Look at verse 18. Psalm 119 and verse 18. The psalmist says, Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things. From your law. Open my eyes. God can help us see more clearly. We can understand this world more clearly. We can see the things in this world more clearly. And and more importantly, we can see the things beyond this world more clearly through the teachings of the Word of God. Look at verse 25. My soul clings to the dust. Revive me according to your Word. Strength, revival comes through the Word of God. Verse 41, may your loving kindness also come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your word. Keep reading. Verse 42, so I will have an answer for him who reproaches me, for I trust in your word and do not take the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I await your ordinances. So I will keep your law continually forever and ever. I will walk at liberty. I seek your precepts. I will also speak of your testimonies before kings. And shall not be ashamed. I shall delight in your commandments which I love. And I shall lift up my hands to your commandments which I love. And I will meditate on your statutes. You notice how much the psalmist here talks about knowing God and understanding God. And being closer to God through his word. That when you and I have this robust relationship with God's word we come to a better understanding of who God is. God reveals himself to us in his word. Look at verse 97. Psalm 119, verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day long. Uh, The psalmist here implies to us that our relationship with the word of God doesn't need to be A one-time thing doesn't need to be a momentary thing, but rather it needs to be something that is continual, something that is ongoing, uh, something that is, if we can say it this way without it sounding negative, it needs to be a habitual part of our lives. Sometimes we think of habits in a negative way, but we recognize we can have good habits as well. And, And being involved with God's Word, reading God's Word, interacting with God's Word, needs to be a persistent habit In our lives. And then look at Psalm 119 and verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Through God's word, we gain guidance and we gain insight. We have understanding. Things are clearer. What is darkened in front of us is made clear through God's word. You ever been in a dark place before? Some of you have been to that old church building at Judson Road. Built back in the 1950s. For some reason, no windows in the auditorium. Right? Just dark. And those old 1950s buildings, they kind of creak and moan now that they're 60 and 70 years old. And I would be up there working late some nights and I'd have to venture out into the auditorium for something and <laughs> just absolutely for certain that there was somebody sneaking around in that auditorium the way that that building would creak and groan and the fact that there wasn't a beam of light to be seen anywhere in there. What you would do is you'd pull out your trusty cell phone that we all have in our pockets now and you tap that little button on your cell phone and what do you have? You got a flashlight. Lights up the room. You can see everything, right? You can see exactly where you need to go Your mind is put at ease, your heart is put at ease because you're able to see things that are around you. You're able to perceive what reality is. In the same way the psalmist talks to us about the power of the Word of God to do just that in our lives. Those are just a few of the high points. But as we walk away from this overview, there are some clear implications in the text here. Number one is the clear implication that God has given us his word for our good. The reason that we have God's word is because God decided it would be good for us to have it. And so he has given us his word. As we read verse 1 again, How blessed are those whose way is blameless who walk in the law of the Lord, Lord willing. uh, Tonight we're going to talk some about that word blessed there and what that word blessed actually means. But suffice it to say right now that what that Word communicates to us is the reality that God sees us in need of His Word and has given us His Word solely for our benefit. He knows what we need and He has given us just exactly what we need in His Word. Going along with that, the, clear imp- the second clear implication is this, is that you and I are able to understand God's Word for ourselves. You and I. As we pick up God's Word and interact with it, you and I are able to understand God's Word for ourselves. And I understand, maybe you do too, that there's some pushback on that from certain uh, sectors in the religious landscape today. Some would say that, no, you don't have that ability and you need someone in a clergy role to be able to do that for you. Uh, Some would just scratch their heads and say, "I I know folks say that, but... Do we really? I mean, it's so confusing sometimes. have you ever sat down and tried to read through the book of Revelation and understand it? But I would submit to you, and Lord willing this morning, we'll examine this a little bit more. We're able to understand God's word for ourselves. Now, it may take, going back to our reference to the book of Revelation, it may take a little bit more time. It may take a little bit of study. It may take perhaps approaching things in a more organized fashion. But you and I can do that. And we can do that because God tells us we can do that. Look again at verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? The answer was given by keeping it according to your word. As we're examining Who is able to understand the Word of God? First thing we see is that young people are able to understand the Word of God. How can a young man do this? How can a young man be pure? How can a young man keep his way pure? By knowing knowing your law, O God. By knowing it and doing that. What is the clear implication of that? It's that young people possess the ability to do that. Young people are able to understand God's Word. Look at verse 25. My soul cleaves to the dust, revive me according to your word. How about this? The weak are able to understand God's word. Isn't that who is being spoken to in verse 25? Somebody who is laid low, somebody who is in the dust, somebody who is reaching out for just anything to sink their hands into, to hold on, to keep them upright. How many times have we felt like that in our lives before? And to someone who is in that circumstance, God says what? My word is here for you. I've given you my word, and even in your condition in which you were laid low, you can grab hold of my word. You can find guidance through it. You can find surety through it. You can stand. You can understand. Look at verse 104. Verse 104, from your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Through your precepts I get what? Understanding. That is, those with little understanding are able to what? To grow. We would call this process of maturing, right? But those with little understanding can progress and grow and find more understanding and become more mature through what? Through a study of God's Word, through reading God's Word, through interacting with God's Word. Now you just look at three classes of people that we just looked at right here. Those who are young, uh, those who are weak or who are suffering, and those with little understanding. Doesn't that just about classify anyone who we're describing here as coming to the Word of God and questioning whether or not I am able to learn from it and gain from it? Who are the people that would most often question whether or not they have the ability to understand God's Word? Those who are young, those without understanding, or those with little understanding. Or those whose confidence is so wrecked by external circumstances that they just see themselves as completely incapable. But to each segment that we just described, God looked at them and says what? You're capable. You're capable of hearing my word. You're capable of understanding my word. And you're capable of growing from word. The clear implication of the text is that God has given us His Word for our good. We are able to understand His Word. And that that Word He has given us is sufficient for whatever needs that you and I might have. Look at Psalm 161. Psalm 119, rather, in verse 161. God's Word is sufficient for what you and I need. The psalmist writes this way in verse 161. Princes persecute me without cause, but my heart stands in awe of your words. I rejoice at your word as one who finds great spoil. I hate and despise falsehood, but I love your word. Seven times a day I praise you because of your righteous ordinances. Those who love your law have great peace and nothing causes them to stumble. I hope for your salvation, O Lord, and do your commandments. My soul keeps your testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. I keep your precepts and your testimonies, for all my ways are before you. I am persecuted, but my heart stands in awe of your word. I hate and despise falsehood, but I love your word. Those who love your law have great peace, and nothing causes them to stumble, I hope for your salvation, I do your commandments, all of this, this, all of these different needs that you and I encounter in this life, real needs, genuine needs, needs that strike to the core of who we are. God says, I supply your needs. I am here for you. And I supply your needs. I will show you your answers. I will give you guidance, God says, through my word. Now, Let's talk in the time that we have left. You said 20 after, right Drew? Okay. So let's talk in the time that we have left about how to benefit from God's Word. Just very practically and from the 119th Psalm, how can you and I benefit from God's Word. And that's the right way to look at it because God has given us His Word for our good. He is blessing us through His Word. And so it's correct to understand it this way. How can you and I come to God's Word and benefit from it? And the first thing I would submit to you is that you and I benefit from God's Word when we learn to love God's Word. But how useless is that, right? How can a preacher stand up here and tell you, you know what you need to do? You just need to love God's Word a little bit more. Well, thanks, preacher. That was sure helpful. And then you just leave it at that, right? How many times have we heard sermons about, you need to love this, you need to love that, you don't need to love this. Okay, yes, I get that. I need to love God more. I need to love Jesus more. I need to learn the Word of God more. Yes, I get that. I understand that. If I was raised in the church, I've heard that since the time I was three years old in Bible class. But help me do that. Okay. Let's listen to what the psalmist would say. How would he teach us to learn God's word and to learn to love God's word? Look at verse 41. Psalm 119 and verse 41. We learn to love God's word by seeing the displays of God's grace. When we see God put His mercy and His grace on display, that draws us closer to Him and closer to His Word. May Your loving kindness also come to me, O Lord, Your salvation according to Your Word, so I will have an answer for him who reproaches me, for I trust in Your Your loving kindnesses, verse 41, your grace. When, when you and I see God's grace on display, when we can see that God is gracious all throughout His Word to all sorts of different people, shouldn't that communicate to us that if God is willing to be gracious to them, that He's willing to be gracious to me too. But He offers grace to me as well. Look at verse 97. Psalm 119 and verse 97. We learn to love God's Word by seeing the displays of God's grace in it, but we also learn to love God's Word by making it a part of our daily lives. When, um, when I was getting ready to, to leave San Antonio yesterday, uh, we'd had a, a member of the church die about a week earlier. And so his funeral was yesterday morning. And I was speaking at the funeral, and so that kind of pushed back my my departure time for heading here to Mount Pleasant. And I did something yesterday that I have never done before, and I don't really want to do again, and that was I had to say goodbye to my family, my wife and my two girls, after the funeral and then get in the car and drive here. And my wife was fine with it, and my two-year-old is just happy to be around people, and she didn't care. My eight-year-old was sitting in the pew with us during the funeral, and she heard her daddy get up and talk about death and talk about how one day we're all going to take our last breath. I got back, and I sat down beside her afterwards, and... Kind of came over and sat next to me and cuddled up, and there were some tears coming down her her face. And we'd already had a couple of blow ups that morning just because daddy was leaving and she didn't want daddy to leave. Kids act out when one of the parents is going to be gone and they know it, right? That was rough. It was rough because what have we become? It's an integral part of each other's lives, haven't we? I take her to school every morning. In fact, we've started walking to school every morning. It's about a mile. She's got little legs, so it's going to take us about 25 minutes to do a mile. But we walk, and at 7 o'clock in the morning, school starts at 7.35. In what world is that, right? But, so we're walking, 7, 7.05 in the morning, we're heading out of the house. My little 8-year-old talks the entire way. The entire 25-minute walk to school. Non-stop, everything under the sun. I'm just barely functional. But she is just going on and on. That That's part of our day. I I pick her up a lot of days after school. Come home and we play and we sit and we watch. My my daughter, my oldest daughter, I kid you not, do you know what her favorite TV show is right now? This lets you know I've done something good as a parent. Her favorite TV show is Matlock. (laughs) Matlock. Put all that together, here's where I'm going with that. What what made her so upset yesterday? Dad's leaving. Why is that such a big deal? Because we're there for each other every day. You want to know how to increase your love for God's Word? Make it a consistent part of your life. Make it a part of your day. Make it a part of what you do. Make it a part of who you are. Isn't that what the psalmist is telling us here? Meditate on God's Word daily. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day, we learn to love God's word by meditating on it and by interacting with it daily. Then look at Psalm uh, Psalm 119 and verse 113. Pardon me. Verse 113. We learn to love God's word by seeing the true source of our frustration.. Sometimes we get all astir and a fluster. And we don't quite know who or what we're upset at, and so we just kind of lash out at everything. Or sometimes, well, God is in control of everything, and if I'm suffering this, if I'm going through that, ultimately it's got to be God's fault. So God, why? And we're not going to take a whole lot of time to explore all of that and the great depths to which we could plummet, but look at verse 113. Where the psalmist simply says, I hate those who are double-minded, but I love your law. The contrast here, I hate those who are double-minded, but I love your law. The implication being what? God's law is not double-minded, it's not hypocritical, it's not inconsistent. Like some people are. So much of our suffering is often due to bad decisions of others. And we might suffer innocently because of the bad decisions, the poor decisions, the selfish decisions of others. But God is not like that and His law is not like that. And when we, through His Word, are able to see things more clearly, to perceive the world around us more accurately, what we see as the true source of our frustration many times then is not God but it's people who misuse what God has graciously given to us. We learn to love God's Word by seeing His grace, by making His Word a part of our daily lives, and by seeing through His Word the true source of our frustration. But we also learn to benefit from God's Word by reading God's Word in difficult times. Look at Psalm 119 and verse 25. Now how difficult is this? Right, think about when you're in difficult times. Think about when you're angry. Think think about when your temper is raring. Think about when you're brought low. Think about when you're despondent. Think about when sorrow just crashes into you like wave after wave after wave. Hitting the rocks on a coast. I don't know about you, but but for me... I mean, my my wife and I have never, ever, ever had an argument. Did you just laugh, Sister Alma? Never had had an argument. Well, we have. And when we come out of those arguments, the last thing that I want to do is sit down and read anything. Right? I might want to go outside and start putting nails in a fence or something. Or go punch a punching bag. Because most times I realize she's right and I'm wrong and I did something stupid and I've got to fix that. When, when we're in emotionally volatile situations, oftentimes the last thing that we want to do is calm down and focus and read something. But perhaps that's exactly what we need to do. And I'm not just talking about when we might have a a common fuss between spouses. What about when we're sorrowing over a a death of a loved one? Or a major diagnosis? Or things in the world, in my world, in your world, just seem to be going haywire and sideways. Where we're grasping just to keep our our heads above the waterline in those moments especially that God would encourage us to read His word. Look at verse 25. read this one earlier. My soul cleaves to the dust. Revive me according to your word. Verse 26. I have told of my ways and you have answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts so I will meditate on your wonders. My soul weeps because of grief. Strengthen me according to your word. Remove the false way from me. And graciously grant me your law. I need to read God's word, number one, when I'm disappointed in myself. Did you catch that there? Make me understand the way of your precepts. My soul weeps because of grief. Remove, verse 29, remove the false way from me. Here is someone who is disappointed in themselves. Those moments when I'm disappointed in myself... Those are moments when I need to be reading God's Word. How about when we're angry at the ungodliness of others? And how quickly do we just want to lash out at somebody? Engage in a verbal tit-for-tat kind of thing. You said this, I'm going to say back, I'm really going to get you. But Instead, perhaps what we need to be doing, in fact, what we need to be doing... It's coming back to God and coming back to His Word. Verse 49, Remember the word of your servant in which you have made me hope. This is my comfort and my affliction, that your word has revived me. The arrogant utterly deride me, yet I do not turn aside from your law. I have remembered your ordinance from of old, O Lord, and I comfort myself. Burning indignation has seized me because of the wicked who forsake your law. Your statutes are my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. O oh Lord, I remember your name in the night and keep your law. This has become mine that I observe the precepts. When we're angry at the ungodliness of others, that's what the psalmist is describing here. We need to come back and center ourselves like he does in God's Word. And look at verse 81. When Anxiousness tries to overwhelm us. Yes, anxiety is real. Yes, Christians can face anxiety. And yes, God's word can help us overcome that. Verse 81. My soul languishes for your salvation. I wait for your word. My eyes fail with longing for your word while I say, when will you comfort me? Though I have become like a wineskin in the smoke, I do not forget your statutes. How many are the days of your servant? When will you execute judgment on those who persecute me? The arrogant have dug pits for me, men who are not in accord with your law. All your commandments are faithful. They have persecuted me with a lie, Help me. They, are almost, they almost destroyed me on earth, but as for me, I did not forsake your precepts. Revive me according to your loving kindness so that I may keep the testimony of your mouth. We need to read God's word in difficult times. And we need to find in God's word a source of strength and comfort for ourselves. And then finally, we benefit from God's word by being obedient. To what God says. Look at Psalm 119 and verse 101. Sometimes we we almost get this idea put out there that, um, well, some would tell that obedience just really isn't all that important, right? You, You can read, believe, accept, it's really all you need to do. But even coming back here into the Old Testament, what we see communicated for us is a need to be obedient to the word that God has revealed to us for our good. He has revealed his word to us and he calls on us to obey it. calls on us to hear him and believe him and respond in the ways that he has set up. We need to be obedient to God, says we need to heed warnings about what to avoid. Part of being obedient to God is listening to God when He tells us to avoid something and actually then going on to avoid that Psalm 119 and verse 101. I have restrained my feet from every evil way, that I may keep your word. I have not turned aside from your ordinances, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. From your, understand- from your precepts I gain understanding. Therefore I hate every false way. I come to hate every false way because, God, you have told me to avoid that, to walk away from it, to turn from it. You have in your word restrained my feet from every evil way. If we're going to be obedient to God, we need to heed warnings that he gives us about what to avoid. Look at verse 80. Verse 80. We need to be obedient to God's word by seeking to be blameless. May my heart be blameless in your statutes so that I will not be Ashamed. Being blameless doesn't mean that nobody ever brings some sort of case against you, but but it means no one can bring a legitimate case against you. Right? There are some people that will always try to besmirch our character, but here is somebody who when someone tries to come against them, people see it for the foolishness that it is. It's the kind of life we need to live a life of integrity, an upstanding life. That's what God calls us to live. And then look at the very last verse, Psalm one nineteen. We need to be obedient to what God says and God tells us to not forget Him. Very last verse, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. God has given us His word for our good. But that word doesn't do any good for us. If we don't hear it and if we don't respond to it the way that he calls us to. What does God say here? Don't forget me. But how would we forget God? The very last phrase there. Do not forget my commandments. You and I forget God when we forget his commandments. If we want to gain the benefit from God's word that God intends for us. We need to be obedient to what he says. We need to avoid what he tells us to avoid. We need to seek to be blameless. And we need to make sure we don't forget him. Thanks for your attention this morning.